Well, good evening, church. Um, as was said earlier, my name is Josh Hart. I have the privilege of serving as an elder here at Delray Baptist Church, and it is my joy uh, to be able to open God's word with you this evening. So tonight we are going to primarily be in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 23 to 25. So uh, if you brought a Bible with you, I'd encourage you to open your Bible to Hebrews chapter 10, verses 23 to 25. If you're using one of the Pew Bibles, you can find that on page 1007. And so as you're as you're turning there, I just want to give a, a little bit of a recap about what we've been talking about as a church in our Sunday evening services. So over the last few months, what we've been doing is going through our church covenant and examining each of the statements in that church covenant in turn and looking at the passages that inform each of those statements. And tonight, um, we're going to close out that series as we look at the last statement in our church covenant, which reads like this. Uh, we will, when moving from this place, unite with another church where we will carry out the spirit of this covenant and the principles of God's word. And so, like I said, this, pat, or this, this statement in our uh, church covenant is informed by Hebrews 10, 23 to 25, uh, which should be familiar to you as it informs another one of the statements in our covenant, which says that we will regularly assemble together to worship God and build one another up in Christ. And so in both of these statements of our covenant, the gathering together of God's people is what is in view. And so let's go ahead and take a look at that text together. So again, Hebrews chapter 10, verses 23 through 25, says this, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Now you may be wondering what a statement like uh, joining a church when we move is doing in a covenant for this church, right? So here we are together as one church. We have covenanted together why do we care whether or not we join a church when we move? Why do we care if members from this body, when they move, are united to another church? After all, they're, they're no longer here. If it's you and you move, you're no longer here. You're not a part of this church. Or you're not re gathering regularly with us. So um, what, does that, what does that matter? So I pose that question to the rest of the elders. Um, what would they say if they had maybe an exit interview with somebody? And why would they encourage you? to join the church, and one of the brothers responded with, I want you to make it to heaven, so join a good church wherever you land next. So a little bit of tongue-in-cheek, but there is some wisdom there. There is a strong connection with uh, or between uniting with a church and your own spiritual health. And so in our remaining time together, I hope to show you why it is important and help to answer that question of why we join churches when we move. And so our main idea tonight is this. That we join churches when we move for the glory of God, for the good of the church, and for the good and health of our own souls. We join churches when we move for the glory of God, the good of the church, and the health and good of our own souls. And so we'll kind of look at each one of those in turn. So first... We join churches when we move for the glory of God. So there's two ways that I want to look at tonight that we glorify God through joining a church. 
when we move. First, we glorify God through obedience to his command to gather. 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17 tells us that all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction and training for righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So every bit of scripture is God's word, breathed out, is instruction for us. And as we look at Hebrews 10, 24, we see there an imperative, right? There is a call to action. There is something required on our part. The writer of Hebrews is saying that we are not to neglect gathering together. And so it's, it's a command that should be obeyed. And so we glorify God by obeying his command to gather together and not neglect doing so. So to be fair, as I thought about this question about why join another church when you move, I thought, well, well, because the Bible says so, right? This could be a really short sermon. The Bible said to do it. You should do it. Let's pray and we can go home. But we're not going to do that. Um, in the same way that, you know, telling, telling children, um, if you're a parent and you told your kid, um, because I said so, right? I see some heads nod. Um, that may be true, but um, it's helpful to look at, at why, to understand why it's important. But at the very least, Scripture commands that we should do it. And in so doing, by obeying God's command, we glorify Him. Another way that we glorify God through our gathering is in the purpose of our gathering. Why do we gather together? We gather together primarily to worship God. So when we gather as a local church, we gather as the people of God to worship him through the reading and the preaching of his word by sitting humbly beneath the word as our final authority of all of life and practice. We worship God through prayer as we humbly confess our dependence on him for all things and through our praise for his gracious provision and as we intercede on behalf of the saints. So we literally did that together tonight, praying for one another and lifting things to the Lord in intercession. And we worship God in our gathering through singing to him psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, making a joyful noise to him in praise of his glory, his majesty, his mercy, and his grace. So we worship him through song. And then we also worship him through the observance of the ordinances of baptism and the Lord's Supper. Uh, if you were with us this morning, we got to do that. We had to see uh, a baptism this morning celebrating the, the new life in Christ where a sinner who was once dead in his trespasses was, was brought to life through Christ. And that, that picture of baptism, of being buried in the water and raised to new life is a, is a picture of what, what Christ has done in us. So we get to celebrate and worship the Lord through baptism, but also in the Lord's Supper. When we gather together as God's people to remember what he has done for us in Christ as we remember the body of Christ given for us and his blood shed on the cross for us that we might be reconciled to him. So the purpose of our gathering is to glorify God. So we glorify him as we gather through worship. And the New Testament pattern for how we obey God's command to gather and how we worship him through gathering is primarily uh, in the context of the local church. And so as it relates to the local church membership, one of the questions that often comes up is, do we actually need to join a church? Isn't Christ's church a universal church? Or, or better yet, isn't it possible to enjoy Christian community apart from the local church? Can we enjoy Christian community apart from the church? Sure, 
we, we can definitely enjoy community apart from the local church. We could be a part of a neighborhood Bible study. We could join a faith-based employee resource group at work, or maybe we serve in a parachurch organization like Fellowship of Christian Athletes or Campus Outreach. All of these things members of this church participate in in some way, shape, or fashion. There are various members who participate in these things. And those are great ways for us to exercise the gifts that God has given us to minister to others, but it is not the same as gathering with the church on the Lord's Day and being a member of a church. So I want to point to a couple of uh, biblical examples, they're not listed in order of priority or importance, um, that I believe prove that, that membership in a local church is normative for the Christian. It's not something that we, we made up, but something that we find in Scripture. And so first I point to the fact that as Paul traveled around the known Roman world. He planted churches. Every city that he went to, he preached the gospel, made disciples, he and his co-laborers, and they planted churches. In Acts 14, 21 through 23, as, as Paul and his uh, comrades are finishing a visit in the, um, the city of Derby, um, it, it says this. He says, when they had preached the gospel to that city and had made many disciples, they returned to Lystra, to Iconium, and to Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples encouraging them to continue in the faith and saying that through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. And when they had appointed elders for them in every church with prayer and fasting, they committed, to the, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. Every church, individual, autonomous churches, each with its own elders and members. So were the members of each of those churches also members of the universal body of Christ, the universal church? Absolutely, but they were also members of local churches as well. Another evidence that I would point to in the New Testament uh, as a New Testament pattern of local churches is the letters that were written to these churches. Um, just to, to go through a few of the greetings that Paul wrote in the letters to the churches that he wrote, um, to all those in Rome who were loved by God and called to be saints, Romans 1, 7, to the church of God that is in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints together with all those who in every place call upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours. In 1 Corinthians 1, 2, there's a similar greeting in 2 Corinthians. Uh, to the churches of Galatia, in Galatians 1, 2, so Paul is writing to churches, plural, in that region of the world. To the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus, Ephesians 1, 1. To all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi with the overseers and deacons, Philippians 1, 1. So he's writing to the church and then he also names the elders and the deacons who are there at that church. The author of Hebrews himself is writing to a particular church comprised of a particular people. Hebrews 13, 23 mentions that the author longs to visit them again. Um, and, and hopes that Timothy would also join them. So there were, it was a, a known people who also knew other folks um, who were Christians. Um, the Apostle John, in his letter, Second uh, John, was written to a particular church. Our brother Ben Robin just preached a, a wonderful sermon on that uh, several weeks back. I encourage you to listen to that if you haven't. Um, and then as John was, was writing Revelation, as he was recording the revelation that he had received, he greets the seven churches that are in Asia. You see that in Revelation 1-4. So we could go on, but saints, I want us to see that this pattern of Christians belonging to a local church is not something that we made up. This is something that we find for us in Scripture. This pattern is laid out for us in our Bibles. 
It's the primary way that we obey God's command to gather and to worship him as the body of Christ. And so when we move, we join churches for the glory of God and to glorify him. And second, uh, for the good of the church. So the second reason that we join churches when we move is for the good of the church. You look again at our text. Uh, these verses are, are full of, of commands that are church-oriented, right? Uh, let let us hold fast the confession of our hope. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Encourage one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So for many in our day, the church is, is a place where they go to consume. Many people see that the church is there to satisfy their own wants and desires. But scripture, counterculturally, uh, shows that there's an aspect of supporting and serving one another. Um, that pushes back against the self-centeredness of today's culture. Each one of us has gifts, talents, and abilities. I'd encourage you to um, look at Romans 12, 3 through 8. It's a good, way, uh, good place to, to meditate on the gifts that God has given to the church. Um, but these gifts are meant to be exercised in the context of, of the local church. Uh, this morning, uh, Justin Hughes taught a wonderful lesson on what it means to serve. If you weren't able to be a part of that, I encourage you to listen to that. Um, but I'm sure if we were to look around this room, we would, we would see people who are really good at things that maybe we're not good at. So I'll take me for an example. Um, I have been in the IT industry for a little over 20 years, so I, I make my living as a professional nerd. Um, and so I'm happy to talk to people about nerd-like things. Um, I'm good at that. But uh, do you know what I'm not good at? I am not good at singing. Okay, I am terrible at singing. I am tone deaf. My wife is smiling at me. She knows it's true. Um, and so if it were up to me to lead singing on Sunday morning, y'all, we would be up a creek. But I'm so grateful that as I look out at this, this congregation that I can point out people for whom God has, has given this musical gift, gifts of singing and playing instruments, that they can lead us together. And all of that is exercised in the context of a local church that we might be built up and that we might be able to glorify God. So, I would ask you, how has God gifted you? How has he uniquely designed you for his service? How might you serve the body of Christ? These gifts that God has given you are meant to be exercised here in the context of the local church. And if that is true right here in Alexandria, Virginia, what makes it less necessary wherever the Lord might take us? Brothers and sisters, we, we join churches when we move for the good of the church. And third... We join churches when we move for the good and the health of our own souls. So as I was considering this point and the, the previous point, admittedly they're a little bit similar, but just kind of looking at it from a different perspective. And so, as I mentioned earlier, the church is certainly not uh, a consumeristic institution where we come to the church and we get our needs met. But at the same time, we have to recognize that we need one another. We need the church. We are a needy people. So why did the author of Hebrews implore his readers to hold fast the confession of their hope without wavering? Because they were tempted to waver. They were tempted to doubt. And they needed help. 
Why did he encourage them to think of ways to stir up love and good works among the body of Christ? Because they were tempted toward maybe bitterness or malice or, or evil works. And, and even if not evil things, maybe they were tempted toward apathy. Maybe they were tempted to look at the needs they see among the body of Christ and just ignore them because they're, I'm tired. I don't know that I want to do that. I don't know I want to help out. That could be the case. Why stress the importance of encouraging one another, especially as each day draws us nearer to Jesus' return? Because perhaps they were tempted toward discouragement. How did he define a solution? Was the body of Christ being the body of Christ to one another? So what about you, Saint? Do you, are you ever discouraged? Do you doubt? Are you ever apathetic toward the needs of your brothers and sisters in Christ? Being a part of a local church and having one another helping one another out, helping to bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ, to receive that encouragement. We need that. You need that. I need that. I need you. I need you to help me when I stray, to pull me back. I need you to help me see where I have, have sinned and call me to repentance. I need you to encourage me when I'm discouraged. My family needs you. We need you to encourage us when parenting is hard. We need your wisdom when we have to make big decisions. We need your example as you follow Christ to help us to follow him too. My kids need you. They need to see what it looks like for people other than mom and dad to walk with Jesus. They need older, mature saints to speak truth into their lives and to help them to make sense of life's challenges. It's its valleys and its storms. They need you to encourage them to cling to Jesus when the world is screaming at them to abandon ship and jump in with the sharks because it's, it's way more fun. We need you and we need one another. So we need one another right now and we need one another equally so when we move from this place wherever the Lord may take us. And I want to give a, a, a just a word of warning to those of you who may think that, you know, once you move, maybe you don't necessarily need the church. First Peter 5.8 tells us to be watchful, to be sober-minded. For our adversary, the devil, is prowling around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. And I don't know if you've ever watched some of those animal shows on Discovery where the lions are prowling around, getting ready to, getting ready to eat something. Rarely does a lion charge into a big herd of water buffalo to get something. But no, they look for the one that's straggling off to the side, the one who's lagging behind. Brothers and sisters, if that's you thinking you don't need the church, you are putting yourself in a dangerous position. We join churches when we move for the good and the health of our own soul. I want to give a couple of practical considerations before we close. Um, maybe, maybe a move for you is on the horizon. Maybe you're thinking of a new opportunity somewhere with your job, or uh, maybe you want to go to a school somewhere, and you're considering moving somewhere, wherever that may be. I want to encourage you to consider whether or not there is a church 
in that place you're going to move to that can actually care for your soul. And if there is not a church that can care for your soul, I would encourage you to reconsider. Put more strongly, I, I would even say you might not want to do that. Why would you put yourself in that kind of danger? Why would you move away from this community when you don't necessarily have to? And not have a church there that can care for your soul. Now I understand that, that some of you may be in a position where that's not something you can control. Um, maybe you're in the military, you work for the government. I myself was active duty for 14 years. I grew up in a military family. So I understand what it means when orders come and you really don't have a choice. In both of those cases, I would encourage you, reach out to the elders. You just heard from Ben Robin, who's getting ready to go to, um, he and his family are going to go to Fort Worth, Texas to plant a church. Right? So we know of a church that's going to be there. So if you're going to Fort Worth, Texas, we've got a church we can recommend. In fact, in fact, they just asked for people to come with them. So what's the, when's the caravan leave? Tomorrow morning. Let's go. Pack it up. So there certainly is a place you can go. But wherever it is that you might be thinking of going, get in touch with us. We want to process that with you. Uh, between uh, the members here and the elders who serve, I'm sure we know of churches all over the place that we can connect you with. And if you're, if you're in that boat where you have to go and you don't really have much of a choice, we want to process that with you as well. And think of ways that we can help you to stay spiritually healthy. Brothers and sisters, you've covenanted with this church. Let us help you in that decision. Let the body of Christ be the body of Christ to you. As we conclude, um, I hope you can see that, that we do actually need one another. And we need one another right here. And we need one another wherever we go. So I pray that we've spent this evening and, and really just spent the last few months talking about the, the one another commands that we believe uh, that we need to be living out together here through our, our church covenant and the scripture that, that informs it. Uh, again, that's not something that we made up. We believe this all comes to us from God's word. Uh, that you see the importance of joining a church wherever you go, wherever the Lord might lead you, for the glory of God, for the good of his church, for the good and the health of your own soul. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for the gift of the local church. Father, we thank you for the ways that this body cares well for one another. But we thank you for the way that that we pray for one another, that we, that we lift up our needs before you and, and, and ask for you to supernaturally meet those needs. Because, Lord, we know that you can and that you love us. Father, you, we thank you for the opportunities that we have to gather, like we did this morning, like we're doing right now, to glorify your name. And we pray that as we do so, that you would be pleased in us that you be glorified, that you would be magnified. And Father, we pray that as we go from this place encouraged, that you would help us to take the hope of the gospel to a world that desperately needs it. That many would come to know the hope found in Christ and be connected to your church where we will continue to glorify you and one day stand with you forever and glorify you in eternity. We ask in Jesus' name, amen.